Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Hey friends, I'm here today with Denise Fenzi of the Fenzi Dog Sports Academy, and we are here to talk about the Pet Professionals Program. Denise, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Will you just go ahead and tell everybody what the Pet Professionals Program is and um, why it's important? The Pet Professionals Program is sort of a sister organization to FDSA, And we started it because FDSA is super focused on dog sports, and that's great. And we started out that way, and we added behavior. Uh, But the focus is always going to be dog sports. Pet Professionals Program went a new direction. And our goal here is to target people who are working specifically with pet dog trainers. And I talked to a lot of people over time about what do we see in the world of uh, dog training for pet people, because pet people have very different interests than dog sports competitors. And I think it's important for us to recognize that and address those interests. So as I talked to people about what we saw in the pet dog world, there were some themes that came out. And as we thought it through a little bit more, we decided that we could probably create a program that would address some of the issues we see and create a program that would work for people. So that's sort of where it came from. And what we designed was a program that could be used two ways. It's either comprehensive, there's sort of eight core areas that we looked at and tried to fit in. Um, When I say comprehensive, what I mean is you could take all 50 workshops and sort of start to finish, learn a whole lot about dog training, or you can do the program in a more a la carte manner and take one workshop here that interests you and one workshop there that interests you. Um, So that's kind of the program in a nutshell. And I'm really excited about it because I, well, for one thing, I'm teaching (laughs) some courses. Yeah, you are. Um, But I'm also excited about it because, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I'm really excited and interested in elevating um, the positive reinforcement-based dog training that's available to the public. Um. And I'm interested in elevating it because I what I what I wish were more commonplace were just kind of pragmatic, simple solutions for pet owners rather than, you know, I think you and I both know some really, really outrageously talented, skilled dog trainers who are still kind of lacking maybe pragmatism. And I um, would put myself in that category if I hadn't worked in people's homes for so long, kind of figuring out the fact that um, what those people really need is quick, easy solutions. And that's what they're, that's what they want. Um, And I think we can give it to them. We just need to be smart about it. Yeah. What I've, um, I've often said, pet people get dogs to love them and dog trainers get dogs to train them. And that is uh, really a fundamental thing to understand. It's not who loves the dog more and it's not who wants to do right by the dog. It's how we want to spend time with our dogs. So there's a big difference between training a dog to make it fit into your family better and training a dog because you get to teach it more things. I mean, that's that's a very unique thing that people like you and I 
That's what we do. So it took 20 hours to get that tuck sit. Look at that sit, right? <laughs> right, just, right. A pet owner, they want to get it done. And I've talked to so many uh, long-term dog trainers in the positive reinforcement world, and they would explain to me, you know, when I first learned and I would go into people's homes and they say, I look back and I'm a little horrified at how much time I spent trying to make people into dog trainers who did not want to be dog trainers and um, maybe giving a clicker to a person who could barely manage a leash, right? Yes. Like it, it sounds good in practice, but the thing is, our tagline is kind, pragmatic, and effective. Now to me, pragmatic means it's better to get to 90% with a happy owner who feels good about themselves, feels good about their dog, then get to 100% in one skill, have a frustrated owner, okay, now I've got a lovely sit, but I still have all these other problems. So it's really not all about the dog and it's really not all about the person and it's not all about society. So we, we can all give a little. And to me, that's what pragmatic is. It means doing the best you can based on the total circumstances. And so as I talk to these long-term trainers, they say they missed the boat. They got it eventually. They figured it out because they either lost clients or they realized they weren't being as effective or they lost too many students in classes. And when they switched their focus to let's have a good time, let's be realistic, let's do games, let's have fun with our dogs. What is reasonable? What can you live with? What can you not live with? Let's you know draw some lines in the sand having many solutions, not one solution. If you have five solutions, one of them is going to resonate. And in my experience, if you give people a few choices and you let them pick the one that appeals the most, they'll run with it most effectively. Not because it's the best answer, but because they chose it. Mm -hmm. If you choose something, then you try harder to make it work. So what we want to give people is not one solution or three solutions. How many things can we think up? What are all the options on the table? And it's it's not about whether you use a clicker or don't use a clicker or use the cookie this way or twice. It doesn't matter, really. The question is, when you left, is the, is the handler happier? Is the family happier? Is the dog happier? And if yes, then you won. That's our goal. I love it. And I love, I'm always talking about giving people actionable steps. And I think that when you um, walk in and kind of first start, because I was like raising my hand guiltily, handing a clicker to somebody who can't hold a leash. Well, that was definitely something that I did a long time ago. <laughs> um, and when you walk in and you spend, you know, your first session on stuff that in the owner's mind does not apply to why they called you, um, even if you feel like it does, then we aren't giving them actionable steps today um, to help themselves. And I think all professionals, no matter what we're talking about, I mean, if I took my car to the mechanic because it was making a weird noise and they said, well, here's all the other things you're doing wrong with the car. And let me educate you about that. While you're um, here. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I want you to fix the car and I want to leave because I bought a car to drive it, not to know things about it. <laughs> You know, years ago, my husband had a computer friend, very talented at fixing computers, and I had a computer problem, so I was upset and frustrated. And so anyway, the guy comes over here, and he he does fix the thing, but be, because of who he is, he's passionate about computers. I had to sit here for an hour while he explained not only how I got into that boat, but maybe all the different ways I could get out of it. I was literally being tortured. I, I felt like I was being tortured. I did not want this information. I just wanted my computer to go, right? That's it. Ah. And But that's what he needed in terms of payment because I was not paying for that advice. 
The next time I decided to hire a professional, I, I decided that the money was less than the suffering I was being put through. <laughs> and I don't know what they teach them when these people go to computer school, right? I don't know. But hopefully they say, you need to judge your audience. Like there are some people who really do want to know all the details. And I love that because I'm a dog trainer, right? So in the world of dog training, if you express interest, uh, I'll, I'll tell you as much as you want to know. But if you don't express interest, I'm not going to. And that's what I wish that poor computer guy had done for me, right? Sort of read the fact that I was going, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's not engagement. You know, let me no. break, please. Let me go. Let me go. Um, I have a negative CER to that person to this day. I, <laughs> I remember yeah. that. I remember that event. It was it was hugely impactful. And I, I don't ever want to be the one who does that to another. Uh, one of our core areas of the eight is actually go teach. And it really does talk about how to communicate with your learner, your human learner, because you're not training dogs, you're training people. So how do you communicate with that person in a way that reflects what they appear to be interested in taking from you. And that's a skill. You learn that. Uh, and it can be taught and you can practice it. You can rehearse it. So, and, and it might be different in a class than it is in a private lesson. And it would be different in somebody's home than if they come to you. So all of these things I think are uh, important and really need to be taught to trainers so that we can be better at what we do. And I love that that's a huge part of the curriculum. Um, the client communication piece, I think, is really important. And you said that, you know, the tagline, kind, pragmatic, effective. We need to put client communication under that header of kind as well. We need to, you know, first up, show them show them some compassion. Tell them, you know, that we're, we're sorry they had to call us at all, you know, but <laughs> here's yeah. some things that we can do. Yeah, I think it's very important. Yeah, I think there is. Um, I've, I've said that in the past. I am a crossover trainer, so I've, I've done it all. Uh, in the old days, when I was working with someone, it was me and the client against the dog. Now, this is a really interesting psychological yeah. thing, right? It was like, we together are going to fix this dog. And sometimes when you switch over to positive reinforcement, you change the dyad to it's me and the dog against the owner. And that's yeah. equally dangerous and damaging. It's it's supposed to be all of us working together to solve problems. Uh, and we need to think that way. And you can learn that. But it does require the sympathy that you just mentioned. It, it needs, you know, be realistic. This is not a professional. They're doing their best. They just don't know. And people want to help their dogs. I talk to pet people all the time. They may be doing things that I really don't like. Uh, and I just listen. I don't say too much. Um, but they're doing it because they love their dog. They want what is best. And so if we can come in and we can solve their problem. See, this is a big part about you have to be effective. If you're not effective, they will find someone else who is. Eventually, yeah. you can find someone who will shut your, down, your dog down sufficiently that whatever problem behavior was expressing will no longer express. Because if the dog is not moving, he's probably not getting in trouble. Um, so if we want that not to happen, then we have to solve problems and we have to be on the handler side with the dog so that we can progress or we will lose people. I mean, that's just the way it is. You will. Um, and it's again, it's there's that effective piece, you know, being an effective professional has a lot to do with accepting the reason that they called you and the real present issue for them, which isn't about, you know, might not be about what you think is important. Right. Um, 
But what's important for them, like you said, they got a dog to love it. And if there's a wall between that them and that goal because of a behavior, then our primary job is to break down that wall. And if we can do it and we can do it with kind methodology, then actually everybody's happier. Um, I feel like, yes, 100%, every single person who calls a dog trainer cares deeply about their dog. Or they wouldn't have called, right? They would have just gotten rid of it. Or they would not have called. And they they would all love a kind solution. (laughs) They want a kind solution. But somebody's got to give it to them. They're not going to come up with it on their own. And so I think that's what the program is really good about doing. Um, Who would you say the primary audience for the program is? Who's the ideal candidate to sign up? I think there's two. The first one is a person who really enjoys dogs, who's uh, by virtue of listening to a podcast like this, that says a lot right there. So a person who enjoys dogs, either as a highly engaged pet person or as a dog sports professional, uh, I'm sorry, dog sports participant, um, who would like to learn more about pet dog issues, because I've got to tell you, I mean, I've done both, but mostly almost my whole career has been in the dog sports world. And that means I don't have nearly enough solutions for basic pet problems. And I should know more. I really should. And it actually has, that is where my focus is now is learning those things. But I think many of us, we'd like to be able to help our neighbors when they say, my dog is pulling me down the street. We want to give them something. So I think that's a fantastic audience who may or may not be interested in being a pet professional. The second audience I think is uh, really inclined to benefit is current dog trainers who just want a few more tools. They just want more options. I personally don't care what methods you use to train your dog. If I give you more options, then you will select from them and you will make better decisions. So you could have been a dog trainer for 20 years. And if you're just a little curious about how people solve uh, door dashing or pulling on a leash or whatever, and you see a workshop that targets that issue, go ahead and sign up. Or if you want to learn more about the emotional life of dogs, so many interesting and new things are coming out of research now. Just take that workshop. That's all you need. Another group of people who I think would really benefit are people who are seriously thinking about becoming pet dog trainers, pet professionals. They don't know very much, so they're kind of starting from ground zero, and they'd like to learn. So those people could take the entire program or maybe they take five classes and say, you know, I don't think I want to be a dog trainer. That's fine, too. Uh, They have options and choices about how they go. I could also see and I think a decent percentage of our students now are actually extremely good dog trainers, well versed, very good mechanical skills. But maybe they went through a program that didn't give them enough in the way of pragmatic solutions for their clients. And so now they're taking workshops with us specifically to get the, okay, I'm in the person's home. I really don't know how to solve this problem uh, with a person who's uh, got four kids running around and doesn't have the capacity to do the 28 steps that I believe you need to solve this problem. I do need more pragmatic answers. So uh, I already see that that's a pretty significant user base for us. And I love it. And I just want to reemphasize, you said it, but I want to reemphasize that it is open to any and all types of trainers. We, you know, I'm going to say we and, and include the entirety of FDSA and the FDSA Pet Professionals Program, that this is not a place of judgment. This is a place of community and helping each other because we all actually have the same goal, which is help people to enjoy their dogs 
for, you know, for longer and help dogs stay in their homes so that they can be enjoyed by those people. So it was really open for everyone. And I think everybody would benefit from, you know, either doing it a la carte, like you said, just grabbing those workshops here and there, if they're a seasoned trainer, or if you're not, um, I'm really excited about it as a comprehensive program for people who are just kind of starting out in training. Yeah, there also is the weight of FDSA and the student base behind this program. So I don't know, the alumni list has something like 8,000 students. And for those who are on it or are familiar with it, it is an unbelievably kind group of people. There's just not a lot of nastiness in spite of the fact that it's Facebook. And we all know how Facebook can go. Um, Culturally, FDSA is a very kind and supportive place. It allows for the fact that people are at different stages of their journey. Uh, Now, in fairness, as I've already mentioned, I am a crossover trainer, so it would be a bit much for me to be judging people for their choices. And I was not a bad person 20 years ago. I've always been an okay, decent human being. I make different choices now. So I'm not inclined to tell someone, I don't even, it's not about right and wrong. Look, if you want to learn some stuff, come and learn some stuff. Use what works for you. I'm not going to get too excited about the rest. Uh, I will ask that we not discuss it specifically on certain lists because I think that is respectful of the group as a whole. But I'm also mm-hmm. not chasing you down. Uh, it's just not, that's not my place. I'm an education-oriented person. And I think when you give people skills, they use them. And frankly, if people can do things better than I can do them, if they do different methods, then it's on us. It behooves us to come up with better training methods. Um, that's, that's our responsibility. I know that when I made a philosophical shift in dog training, um, I had stopped using compulsion with my own dogs long before I stopped with other people's dogs because I just didn't need it. And I remember when I decided It's not right for me to be holding dogs responsible when it's so obvious to me it's the handlers. When I made that philosophical shift, my training skyrocketed because all of my old options came off the table. And, you know, they say the, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. There's a lot to that. When people tell you, you no longer have this option, I'm taking this tool away. Like, for example, if every single positive reinforcement trainer had their food taken away from them, can you you Mm -hmm. visualize how that would change our training. I'm not saying better or worse, and I'm not recommending you all get rid of your food. I'm just saying that if that happened to you, your training would 180 degrees overnight and you would come up with brilliant strategies because you have no choice. And so for me, that's what happened. I eventually got pushed into a space where I realized this isn't a choice. So if somebody could do things better than I can do them, then that's fine. It's up to me to find better kinder, faster, more effective methods that pet people will want to use. That's my responsibility. Pet dog training is a rapidly growing field with educational opportunities everywhere you look. But if you're interested in being kind, pragmatic, and effective, which I believe are the benchmarks of excellent pet dog training, there's a new school you're going to want to check out. It's the Fenzy Pet Professionals Program, and it's Fenzy Dog Sports Academy's sister school, designed to help dog trainers help their clients in ways that are, you guessed it, kind, pragmatic, and effective. With a staff of carefully selected teachers, including yours truly, and a wide range of courses, upping your training game has never been easier. The cost-effective courses are accessible too at just under 30 bucks a course. So if you're interested in a truly unique educational experience, hop over to fdsapetprofessionals.com and check it out. 
I agree so much. And I think, um, I think that alone is why this program is, I mean, it has so many reasons, but that alone would be enough because we've got this really incredible kind of roster of dog trainers teaching these courses who have brought their experience and their creativity um, to the table to be able to say, you know, this is what I've come up with. Um, And a lot of them are crossover trainers. I'm a crossover trainer. And definitely when you put certain tools aside, no matter what the tool is, you're really, you're correct. You, you come up with better things, more things, um, more ideas. And I mean, I definitely had one of my very challenging, I used to do day trains. Um, and I had a golden retriever puppy who would not eat. Um, and it was because the poor thing was just kind of uncomfortable um, in the world. But my, what I was tasked with was just teaching him not to knock over his elderly, um, human while she was walking downstairs, period. So I really needed to just train the dog to wait at the top of the stairs and then be released down. And I needed to do it without food because I needed to do it in a couple of sessions and the dog wasn't going to eat. And I couldn't send him home and say, fast him, make him hungry. Or, you know, we need six weeks to get him more comfortable so that he can eat. (laughs) I didn't have that kind of time. So I just said, you know, this puppy is going to hurt this woman just in his exuberance coming down the stairs. Um, We need to solve this right now. And so just coming up with something that was going to work without using food still stands out to me. That was like 10 years ago, but it still stands out to me as a moment of, okay, put away the clicker and the food and figure something else out because otherwise she is going to go to the other trainer and in the area that I was training, the other trainer would have put the e-collar on the four-month-old puppy and would have gotten it done. Sure. And again, no judgment on that because they would have gotten it done as well. But I wanted to get it done so that so that I could kind of say, we can, we can still do this with dogs that don't eat <laughs> because that happens. Sometimes you are getting yes. met with that. Um, so I love it. And actually most of the courses that I've seen at pet professionals, um, do talk about helping people not rely too heavily on food because it's always their first question is when can I get rid of the food? Right. Yeah. And instead of telling them that's the wrong question, let's actually give them an action plan for that. It's also really interesting. If you think about it, if somebody says they don't want to use food, then what are their alternatives? So I'll tell uh, dog sports people, I want you to get from here to there, whatever, a hundred feet. I don't want your leash to tighten and I don't want you to use food. Now, if you want to watch somebody show some personality, that's when you're going to see it. So when you give somebody a specific challenge, first, they're going to go the other way. They're going to get a little hysterical and that's going to freak their dog out. So that doesn't work. But eventually, you know what? They're going to learn something about their dog. So if a pet person says to me, I don't want to use food, my inclination is going to say, well, we actually can do that. But I want you to understand that your job is going to be a lot harder because it's going to rely on relationship. That's what you're going to use. Uh, If I was you, I would use food. It will be easier. And then we can transition later. But that's your choice. Uh, And I think sometimes if you put it in those terms, it helps people um, recognize that it's, it's, it is a crutch, but Hey, I, I'm a shortcut person. So I use lots of food, Yes, um, <laughs> I use a lot of food. Yeah, <laughs> but I agree. I mean, I recognize that, um, 
a lot of pet people are unwilling or unable. I mean, there's there could be a hundred reasons. If I can give you five possible approaches to loose leash walking, for example, and one doesn't use food and one does not rely on a harness and, 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 and if I can do that and then I give you choices, you will buy in and I want you to buy in because yeah. then you're going to win and you're going to succeed. Absolutely. So just a couple more points that I think I want to hit on the, on the program, but, um, Talk about the actual logistics of it because they are workshops rather than kind of your six-week FDSA courses. So talk about the logistics for just a second. Absolutely. So uh, FDSA and PPP are extremely education-oriented. We are always trying to figure out how to keep the price down and get the information out there. And PPP is no different. So each workshop is $29.95. And believe me, that is absolutely the bottom of the barrel. We could not possibly go any lower. For $29.95, there's no barrier to entry. So what that means is you don't have to sit, spend a lot of time saying, oh, I don't know if I wanna try this. It's a whole program. It's $29.95. You can manage that if you have any genuine interest in training a dog. You take your workshop and you will get a one hour recording on the topic uh, from one of our instructors. You have a little over a week. You have a week to watch that recording and listen and practice the exercises. You will have a quiz that the instructor has made for you. It's not a quiz that's scored. It's, it's a learning quiz. It's to help you understand. Uh, it's not to try to catch you up. And then you can submit a video. We strongly encourage you to train dogs. You will not learn to train dogs if you don't practice. Watching videos does not teach you to train dogs. Training dogs teaches you to train dogs. So you watch the video and now train some dogs. I give a whole, I have this uh, starter pack online at our website. Um, and if you go through the starter pack, it will talk about all the different ways you can get your hands on dogs. So you need to train dogs. Then you can submit a video back to the instructor. Now remember, this is all for $29.95. You don't have to, but you can. Then you'll get a second recording where the instructor goes over the videos that are submitted and reviews them and helps you become a little bit better, answers any questions you may have, and then those two recordings go into your library so you can review them at any time you want in the future. So if you think about it as an incredibly reasonably priced program uh, at $29.95, no barrier to entry, tons of educational opportunity, you've got the online Facebook groups where you can make friends, discuss the materials, sort of consider options under different circumstances. People discuss their cases there. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, dog trainers tend not to have a lot of money. I recognize that. Um, in and of itself, by the way, that's a problem. Dog trainers deserve to be properly compensated for what they do. So you should be able to make a living. If you are skilled and you help people, then you deserve to be compensated. At the same time, education to me has value. So I want to be able to provide education to other people at as low a price point as possible. Then if you want, you can just take those individual classes for $29 or you can take the whole program if you're having a good time. You just keep taking them and they'll store up in your library so you can review them as you wish down the road. Um, and if that program works for you, fantastic. You can take electives as we go along. I and mean, there's there's a lot of classes in a lot of fields, everything from business to the science of behavior, to dog behavior, to relationships, it's all covered. Um, use it as it works. Or you take the one workshop and you say, you know, I need more handholding. I need somebody to ask me to turn in homework. I need to be monitored. 
that's fine. That's a different learning style that's probably not as good for our program. What did you lose? $29.95. So not not too much. That's the that's kind of how we've structured it. Right. And I love it. I think it's accessible um, as far as, you know, and I love that you mentioned that dog trainers should be appropriately compensated. And that's where those business classes come in, because um, yeah. I think that's a huge problem in our industry is we've got a lot of great dog trainers who aren't necessarily business people. And that's why they're kind of struggling. So I love that the business stuff is in there. Um, Cause I think this, this has the power to just kind of elevate the industry and have more people doing it on a professional level. That is a true professional level level where um, they're making a living and doing a good job for people because it is a huge market. It's a huge need. Um, that people, people really do need dog trainers. Um, and if we can step in and be kind to them and to their dogs and also pragmatic and also effective and get everything done, I think um, that's your first pathway to actually making a living. Um, so where, give us the URL, where should people go to learn more or sign up? Absolutely. It's FDSA Pet Professionals. Dot com. Excellent. And there is a link from the primary FDSA website too, right? Absolutely. If you go to the primary FDSA website and you look up in the top black bar, it's called FDSA workshops. FDSA workshops, there's three per week are put out and you can pick one or all three or none in any given week. Uh, hopefully people are all on our mailing list because that really does simplify the matter. If you're not on our mailing list, uh, we need to get you on the mailing list. You can do that by, um, gosh, what's the easiest way? Probably the easiest way is to go to the FDSA website and then go down to the bottom black bar to the footer and mm-hmm. do, the, uh, do the mailing list or it's also. Yeah, happening. I was going to say, I think it's right down at the bottom and it's easy to just go ahead and put your email in um, right there. And then, yeah, then you'll be kept up to date on everything that's happening um, at this at both schools. So that's yeah. great. Exactly. Exactly. But we're, I mean, we are super excited and I really appreciate you having us on to talk about it. I think there's really a space for this. And for people who are looking for a career option, I want to tell you that when I walk down the street now, I see dogs on harnesses. I see dogs on flat collars. I see average normal people walking down the street with a bait bag. Now, let me tell you, two years ago, I had never seen somebody walk down the street with a bait bag. So what that tells me is that there change is taking place right now. There are pockets of change and it's happening and I'm watching it and I'm seeing beautiful behavior out in society with calm, lovely dogs being well attended to. I think if you want to be a dog trainer, this could be an amazing time to jump in, whether it's to do uh, agility training or pet training or anything. It's a great time to be training other people. So I'd love to see more people join us. I agree totally. I think it's a perfect time. Um, to get into it. I think people are really, people are excited about dogs right now and they are doing better. I mean, I've seen bait bags and um, things like that out and about as well, much more than I think I used to. So that's great. Yeah. All right, Denise, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the program today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. 
If you're interested in supporting this podcast, being a part of the Cogdoc Radio community, and getting access to all kinds of extras, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio to become a patron. 